Well, blessings on you. May be seated. Joe has has been uh, moved into the community a couple years now. Two, three, two and a half. Yeah. Uh, first met them when they were coming up here for a deer hunting kind of a getaway place, and uh, I'm going to let him share his story. And uh, God is uh, working in his life and his family, and they're a blessing to us as a as as friends to the fellowship of the church and. Their hearts to 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 be in a place where God wants them is very obvious, and we're blessed. Well, this is my second time up here. The last time I spoke was about this time last year when Carrie had an emergency appendectomy, correct? Appendicitis. Appendectomy. Um, and I was only going to share that Sunday for about 15 minutes, and I ended up taking the whole service for pastor. This isn't a normal, normal for me, but I am, I am fairly, I guess, talkative. Um, <laughs> but uh, today I'm just kind of want to share um, it from, my, from my own life experiences and, uh, and from Scripture. Um, and I kind of wanted to title it as... Can God really use me after all I've done? And from the life's experiences, and I, was like, and I was thinking, could I paraphrase it as, what was God thinking when he called me? Um, but I, I, I started to look, look into being called into the ministry and, and doing, going into the mission field that we did, as I'll, I'll share it today. And um, I have... One of the greatest examples comes from Acts 9-1. And as you turn that off. Um, I, I, I guess what, what brought me here today was I was praying with a pastor, a missionary friend of mine, uh, about a month ago. And he said, yeah, he told me that I had a calling on my life. And, and I, but God had, you know, it called me, and I, but I had, I had, I had kind of ran from it. And um, I started to you know, look for examples of callings of people that have not had beautiful, wonderful lives. And, of course, Paul, you know, which was formerly known as Saul, as, as you know him, in Acts 9-1, As Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined around him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembled and was astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me do to you? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told of thee, what thou must do. Now, I was reading that, I was thinking, uh, is this, did, 
was this a booming deal? Saul. Saul. And, but I realized it wasn't. It was a grieved voice. It was Christ calling, Saul, why do you persecute me? And as we, as we further read... In, in, in Acts here, in, in 9. And he was three days without sight. Acts 9, 9, I'm sorry. Uh, three days without sight. And neither did eat or drink. And there was a certain disciple in, at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go to into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for the one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. He, had, he hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. And when Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. Saul was a bad guy. I mean, we, you think threatening and, and, and slaughter. And one translation is murderous thoughts. I mean, murderous thoughts against the followers of the way of, of Christ, the followers of Christ. And... In my life, I've done a lot of things. And one of the things I have done is I was a correctional officer for the state of Minnesota. And as a correctional officer, I met a lot of really bad guys, kind of like Saul, bad guys that did a lot of bad things, um, murderous things. And, I, and there's a man I met at Oak Park Heights while I worked there. His name was Michael. Michael was, was, was a porn king. And when he... When he was a porn king, he, to make his business grow, he killed his competitors. And he was very successful until he was caught. And when he was sent to prison, he got to meet, he got to meet a man while he was in prison, and this was a long time ago, who was serving time for a fallen president. That would have been R Richard Nixon. And Chuck Colson was this man. And Chuck Colson is the founder of Prison Fellowship. He witnessed to Mike, to Michael, and Michael, Michael, you know, accepted Christ in his heart, and his life was changed. Michael was sentenced to death row, but a lot of states were abolishing the death penalty, and he was then given a life sentence and transferred to Minnesota, where I worked. And as he worked there, he, was, he developed diabetes, or as he was staying there, he didn't work there, as I worked there, but he had developed diabetes, and, and he had lost a leg, and he was put into the medical unit. But while he's in the medical unit, God used him to witness to the inmates coming, coming to the prison because, to die because the medical unit as well, that's where they sent the inmates that were you know, close, to, close to the end of their lives or dying from diseases. And he, he began to witness to them and introduce them to fin prison fellowship people. And there, one, case, one, of the, one case in particular that stands out to me was a man who came in. This was just before that I actually left working there. This man came in and... He had done some really vile things. And when he got there, he's dying of AIDS. He would have night terrors. He would scream at night. 
and scream and tear, tear his hair out, you know, of his head. And Michael brought in Prison Fellowship, one of the pastors, and they started to minister to this man and witness to this man. And when he, but when he had got there, he had plastered his entire cell with pornography. He had, he had just, just vile pictures up. And this was one that was allowed in the prison. And, but as Michael began to witness to him, as the prison fellowship pastors began to witness to him, he accepted Christ into his life. And then he began to sleep at night. The night terrors went away. He tore down all the pornography. And the only two pictures he had on his wall was a picture of Christ with a crown of thorns and a cross. And he had such a peace come over him that, that he, when he died, due to his disease, when he died, he died in peace. He no longer had the terror. He, he had a peace. And Mike, Mike, you know, you think, here's this inmate. He's, he's a common inmate. He knows how to work the system to make his stay a little easier. I, you can't blame the guy for trying to make his stay in prison. He's going to be there the rest of his life a little easier. But, but he did what God called him to do, and that was to minister to the other inmates and lead them to Christ. And then, I need to flip my pages a little sooner. Uh I guess it, it, you know, it kind of brings me to me, and I, 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 this is this is where I kind of going to bear my, you know, just me a little bit and give people a kind of picture into my life, and I, I, some of them, uh, even my own family might not even know, um, because I, I hid it, and when I was seven. I think about seven years old, kindergarten, first grade. I was immersed into pornography by someone I didn't know who was placing it at the, 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 the park on the benches. And I would go there, and we'd go there, and we'd find this stuff. And we were kids, but we'd, we'd start looking at it. And I didn't realize what it was doing to my life at that age. And it, was, it began to, to destroy, destroy me. It led to other things, and when I was a teenager, I started to drink alcohol, but I, I went to church every Sunday, I went to church every Wednesday, but I played this game, and, and it wasn't until I was eight, 17, 18 years old, when I, when I gave my life to Christ, truly gave my life to Christ, and God delivered me from a lot of that, from, from the pornography, he delivered me from the alcohol, and I met this beautiful young lady who, you know, became my wife. And I went into the service, but while I was in the service, uh, the ugly things kind of reared their, their, their heads again. And I started to drink again. And it started to consume me again. It just what it does, I mean, what it does to so many people. And in 1985, I was given a choice I don't know if my wife even remembers even tell, asking me this. Do you love me or do you love your alcohol? 
You know, do you love God or do you love your alcohol? And I had to make that choice. And I recommitted my life to God. I recommitted my, my, to my wife. I didn't, I gave up drinking. And I had a calling on my life to go into the ministry. But I kept telling myself, I kept saying, I kept hearing this. And my flesh was telling me, no one's going to believe you. You go into ministry. No one's going to listen to you. Look at your past. Look at what you did. I kept hearing this over and over for years. And every time I got close to wanting to go into ministry, Satan would just get me busier and got me busier and busier. And then in 2010, my brother gives me a phone call, and he says, I need you to go to Pine Ridge Indian Reservation for me because I have to have surgery. He had uh, a bowel obstruction or low steroid. Yes, it was a bowel obstruction. And he had to have surgery, and he couldn't take this mission steam to the Pine Ridge. And so I got, out, I, 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 I got all my business, everything lined up so everything was done. I didn't have to worry about it. I was self-employed at the time. Talked to my wife. She thought it would be a great idea. So I headed out, out to the Pine Ridge. And while I was at the Pine Ridge, um, I went to a place called the Dream Center. And when I got there, you know, hey, we're going to do construction. I love construction. And um, went to work and we're doing things. But I really felt the power. It's the Holy Spirit there. The whole time I was there, I felt it. One day, I, it was on Wednesday. I believe it was Wednesday, the 31st of March. 30th or 31st. I was working. We had, we had um, just gospel music playing as we're working. And I just felt the power, you know, the Holy Spirit so strong that day. And I was doing something and I just went for, just went for a stroll. And outside the building, I was walking around and I was praying. And I heard God just say to me, he goes, this is where I want you. And I, I thought, <laughs> you want me here. You know, really? This is where you want me, God? He goes, this is where I want you. And Twyla and I had prayed several times before asking God where he wanted us. I didn't think it was going to be the Pine Ridge, but I went inside, and I remember, I remember telling Pastor Ben from Lonsdale Triumphant Life and, and telling uh, Pastor Lori and Pastor Gary, uh, uh, almost said Espeseth, um McAfee, that, that I just felt that God had just called me. And Gary, Gary revealed to me that he said, well, God, when I was praying last week, God said someone was going to be called from this team this week. And I was like, okay, really? So God knew. He had it planned out. And over the next 24 hours, over the next 24 hours, I believe Satan tried to take my life. I was 18 feet up on scaffolding, and because I was so close to the ceiling, we couldn't have the safety rails around it. We had to have them off. And I was up working, and the scaffolding shifted. I had a nail gun in this hand, kind of precariously, and I was holding the board here, and the scaffolding shifted. My hand rotated around the nail gun, directly at my face, fired. Shot straight out. It hit a button on my shirt sleeve. And amazingly, I, I believe I just tossed that shirt away because I had worn it so many times, I, I literally wore it out. But it hit that button, shot up into the ceiling. I just 
took it as a construction accident. You know, things happen. Things happen that all the time in construction or logging. You don't know why it happens, but it does, you know. And then later that day, I decided to go see a friend on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. And, and at him, when I was at his house, we went from beautiful weather to snow. And in the short time I was there, we got five inches of snow. And when I left, when I left his house, I was driving out the driveway, and he has about a two-mile driveway. He has a 4,000-acre ranch, so it's fairly large. You know. I lost control of the van at five miles an hour, and in the only place in the entire driveway that there was anywhere to go off and roll, that was the spot. And I was at 11 o'clock at night there. It's midnight here. Twyla woke, was home from work and trying to go to sleep, and she's just suddenly she just felt a desire, a severe need to start praying for me. And she started to pray for me. And at that time, I was rolling down the hillside in the van. And when that van come to a stop, of course, I'm smelling gasoline. I'm panicking. I'm trying to get out. All the doors are jammed because everything's bound up. And I'm trying to get out because I don't exactly want to, you know, didn't want to go that way. And the top door opened up, and there was Brian. He stuck his hand down, grabbed me, pulled me up, and we jumped off the van. And he's... And he goes, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, just, I, I couldn't control it. But to the fact that she was here in Minnesota, and I'm 700 miles away or 650 miles away, and she had that need to pray for me. And God protected me so well in that vehicle that when I returned the next week to bring the van back, which was my brother's church van, he wasn't too happy, um, <laughs> he... He protected me so well. My sister, Dolores, who, who just passed away a little over a year ago, was with me. She looked at the driver's seat, and the driver's seat had shards of glass from the windshield. didn't blow out. It imploded in. And it was loaded with glass shards. And she said, you said you were buckled. I said, I was buckled in. And she's just like, Wow, she, she was like, look at me. And she, I'm like, she, her arms, she had goosebumps all over. But that was God's protection because well, my wife was interceding for me. And I knew then it was a calling to go, you know, to go. I, I, I just shared the accidents with people and I, people I didn't even know. Or you, you had a calling on your, on your, on your life. Like I, like I say, now back up, I ran from that calling for years and years, and Satan kept me busy. And then I, I made that decision to go. It took us almost a year. You know, I had to sell a business, and things, things had to transpire for us to be able to move. And um, our house, the market collapsed in that time frame. Our house value plummeted. Um, we were trying to sell the house and everything, and then... All of a sudden, one day, Twyla came home, and, well, they're shutting our store, my store down to rebuild it. I have to transfer, and there's an opening in Rapid City, South Dakota, for her to transfer. So that happened. The business, a guy called, and, uh, will you take cash? <laughs> I'm not going to argue with cash. I'll take cash. The business sold. The, the move happened a little while later, 
and we ended up on the Pine Ridge. And for two and a half years, we served on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. And then one day, the doors just started to close, and doors opened here. And in up, well, Carrie called and said, hey, Joe, there's this neat little place you got to come look at. you got to buy it. They were trying to get us to move here. Like the pastor said, this was, this was our vacation. We honeymooned up here 30, almost 34 years ago. Um, this was our kind of our vacation, church, home church. And okay, we came and looked at it. And looked at it, and we kind of, oh, it's, it's kind of a fixer-upper. You know, it's got some needs, in needs, but oh, it was so beautiful. What do we do? What do we do? Well, we got home. And we got an eviction notice from our rental unit because the owner wanted to sell it. And he didn't give me an option to buy. And uh, so I called Jackie back and said, we'll take it. (laughs) Jackie and Horton over there. And that's how we ended up here. Well, here I started working at the Pequot School. And... um, Again, I started kind of avoiding ministry stuff, and and I don't I I don't know why I just kept feeling that. Other than that, was Satan trying to keep me from doing this, standing up here and just sharing. And at the Pequot School, a lot of great things happen. Um, I, I've been able to share my faith with my coworkers. It's tough to do with the students because you get blocked in the public, you know, separation, they always say. But I do know that God has used, used us and used me in talking to students where one of the students had planned to take her own life, but because I talked to her, just because I talked to her, she didn't do it. You know, and it's like, wow, okay, God can use me here. Um, and and I, I have a good relationship with the kids. And, 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 and the staff. Um, I, sometimes I kept feeling there was still more and still more. And to, to, I guess to back up a little bit, while on the Pine Ridge, Twyla woke up with a dream one morning. She said, we're going to Belize. And I said, Belize. Where's Belize? I didn't know where Belize was. She didn't know where Belize was. We looked it up and we saw it. And it's like, okay. Well, as when we moved here, then that transition to us actually having an opportunity to go to Belize last year and Belize this year, uh, again, to finish the project. So that callings came true. But just a couple of months ago, a pastor, pastor missionary friend of ours, he was praying over us or praying with us, and he, he told me again, he said, you know, God's, God's got a calling on your life. He said, but Satan has stolen way too many years of your life, Joe. So God, you know, God called you. You know, God called you to ministry. He was telling me things about myself that the only way he knew them was God was sharing it, you know, through him. And, and so that brought, well, Gary's accident. And I guess I was talking with Pastor, Pastor and Carrie one day and, and um, mentioned what this man had said to us and uh, yep, they booked me for today. <laughs> but I, I, I kept, like I say, I kept running, kept running, and until and t- I, 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 I decided I got to stop running from God. I got to stop 
I got to let God use me. And am I nervous? You bet. Was I nervous to come up here today? Yep. I was, last night I was about ready just to cancel. You know, call pastor. Pastor, you got to have your sermon. But I, I kept saying, no, I, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't run. I can't run from what God wants me to do. And, and whether it's taking missions teams to Belize or maybe back to the Pine Ridge, um, that's, that's what I, you know, I want, I want to do. And I, I, I know this is a little short, but I really had these, I don't say delusions of grandeur that I was going to get up here and really, really belt it out. And, and, then, and then, well, reality struck. And I guess I was reading one day and I saw a poster and it, it's, it got me and I had to write down a bunch of it. And it said, so the next time you feel God can't use you, just remember, Noah was a drunk, Abraham was too old, Isaac was a dreamer, Jacob was a liar, Leah was ugly, Joseph was abused. Moses had a speech impediment. Rahab was a prostitute. David, an adulterer and a murderer. Jonah ran from God. We talked about that this morning. Jonah ran from God. Peter denied Christ. And Paul, well, he was too religious and he was murderous. He hated Christians. The list goes on. And now at 54 years old, I, I said, I've, I'm going to do what God called me to do. I'm going I'm to start getting more into ministry. So I, I guess, you know, I decided, you know, I'm, you're never too old and you're never too young. There's young people that are called. I remember I was called young. I know others said they were called when they were, they were young. And just be willing, 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 and and. God will give you the tools. He knows you very well. He knows you more than you know yourself. And then just to seek Him and seek Him always. In Romans 8, 1, and this is where fear and condemnation, fear and, and, and being ashamed of my past kept me. And Romans 8, 1 really, really has been what I've had to turn to every time. Therefore, there is no, no, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. 